Hey everyone, this is Jason Shappert, and you're listening to the Private Pilot Podcast by M0A.com, where a good pilot is always learning. How can we learn more and better understand thunderstorm flying? Hey everyone, Jason Shepard here of M0A.com. You are listening to the Private Pilot Podcast this week brought to you by Aviation Mastery at Sea, a brand new event. Really, it's not a brand new event. We're combining two of our most successful events. For the past eight years, we've done the Aviation Seminar at Sea. It's a great chance to really not only vacation with the M0A.com family here, but to uh, participate in some amazing aviation educational content. Then we recently launched our Aviation Mastery Series, which so many of you uh, are alumni of. If you've been to that event, sold out the Orlando event, just a phenomenal time. We said, where is the next Aviation Mastery going to be? And the team came up with the crazy idea to combine our two events and create Aviation Mastery at Sea. We're setting sail uh, October 26th through the 31st with some amazing aviation content, the latest on technology in the cockpit, uh, using your iPad for flight, all the training on aviation weather, in-flight emergencies, drone training, some amazing things, just anything new and great in aviation. That's where we're going to uh, showcase that and have that aviationmastery.com if you wish to check that out and learn a little bit more. My good friend Steve-O will be joining me as well as my good friend Ken Heron, who is very respected uh, in the drone industry as well. So just some great uh, aviation collaboration there. We're talking today about thunderstorm flying. Really, that's not even the the proper title for this because we just don't fly in thunderstorms, right? We shouldn't fly in thunderstorms. What does the AIM say? The AIM says we need to stay 20 nautical miles away from a thunderstorm. And if there's two cells, we need to make sure there's 40 miles, you know, in between those two cells for us to even wish to cross through those cells. Yet so often I hear this, this poor advice I hear this advice that says, oh, you know, if it's, um, if it's green on the radar, it's a go. Green is go on the radar. And I think to myself, I've done entire videos on this in the previous months, you've seen them on composite radar versus lowest tilt radar. And do you understand the difference? You can't just say green is go on a radar until you even know where the data points are coming from and what type of radar you're actually looking at. Is it a, um, a composite radar image? Is it a lowest tilt image? Could you tell me the difference between the two? I'll just briefly go over it here though, but it will certainly link back uh, to that previous video so you can see it. But composite radar is essentially showing you the moisture that that is in the air, that's in these cells. Now that moisture may be up at 40,000 feet. It may not be making it all the way to the ground. Lowest tilt When you look at a lowest tilt radar on something like ForeFlight, lowest tilt is showing you precipitation that is actually making its way, it's actually falling and making its way down to the ground. So big difference between composite and lowest tilt. You can't say I'm gonna fly through it because it's green. There may be nothing there, there may be something there. And as well as we're gonna learn, that storm may be developing. Let me share with you a little story. I shared this in the video yesterday, but I want to take it a little bit farther here today. This story is about 
November 8371 X-ray. About an hour before takeoff, the pilot obtained an updated weather briefing, which included a discussion about thunderstorm activity along the route of flight. About two hours, 30 minutes after takeoff, the pilot was deviating around thunderstorm activity when the airplane disappeared from radar. A witness near the accident heard the engine revving up and down, and then a muffled pop. And then silence, before seeing debris falling from the sky well above the tree line. Examination of the airplane revealed that it experienced an in-flight breakup. However, no evidence of mechanical malfunction was identified. Weather radar images indicate the airplane entered a developing area of moderate to heavy intensity echoes consistent with convective cells or thunderstorms. The pilot advised air traffic control that he was receiving weather information through a portable GPS receiver with a weather subscription service. I'm going to stop there. Uh, further on, it was uh, a Garmin 396. If you remember, there's just the tiny little Garmin 396 units. The 396 is where we actually upgraded the color from the 196 and 296 days. And then you could also add an XM weather subscription. And it came with its own. It was a little like a hockey puck style antenna you threw up on the dash. And I, geez, I remember when people had these, it was like, wow, you have XM. And you, they got XM radio, they got XM weather. However, with this XM weather, it was awesome for the time, but it came with issues. Just like our weather radar, whether it comes from ADSB or however we get that now, comes with issues as well. The XM weather usually was around, on average, up to eight minutes of a delay. And for, again, I, I do not advocate flying through thunderstorms in, in the least bit. But I'll hear these stories of people saying, oh, you know, there's a, there's a perfect hole right there that I'm going to fly through. Yet if your radar is eight minutes old, that hole may not be there by the time you get there. It may have developed into something much worse or it could be developing like we're going to continue to learn here. There were This is very important. There were no published convective segments or center and weather advisories for thunderstorms current at the time of the accident or the area encompassing the accident site. If you saw the video yesterday, you looked at that radar and thought, you know, I've seen worse weather before. I've unfortunately flown around, you know, prior to being a safer, smarter pilot, made those mistakes and flown in weather like that. And here's weather in this case where there were no SIGMETs even issued. And yet there's a thunderstorm so severe we had an in-flight breakup. That's serious. Uh, to me, that's very, very serious to, to realize that, that these thunderstorms grow so quickly. Let's continue our story here. The pilot received his airplane multi-engine rating on May 13, 2006. As of June 18, 2006, the pilot had accumulated 1,720 hours of total flight experience, which included 32.6 hours in multi-engine airplanes, of which 26.8 hours were accumulated in the accident airplane. In addition, the pilot had logged about 140 and 68 hours of actual and simulated instrument flight experience, respectively. Except for 0.4 hours of simulated instrument flight experience logged during his multi-rating checkride, the pilot had not logged any additional instrument flight experience in multi-engine airplanes. 
review of the airplane's ground speed revealed that the ground speed remained between 190 to 200 miles per hour during most of the cruise portion of the flight. At approximately 12.47, the airplane gained 60 miles per hour in ground speed over the course of the next 35 seconds. Most of us would be pretty excited to gain 60 miles per hour in ground speed, but not in this case through thunderstorms like this. You'll hear the severity of it in just a second. The airplane then descended 1,200 feet during this time frame. So he picked up a ground speed of an additional 60 miles per hour in 35 seconds, yet also descended 1,200 feet during the same 35 seconds. For an average descent rate, then you do the math on that, it's 2,100 feet per minute. That's a pretty serious downdraft. If you think about it, what does a VSI even go up to? A vertical speed indicator on the face only goes up to 2,000 feet per minute either up or down. So his vertical speed indicator was pegged um, on a descent. He didn't realize it was 2,100 feet per minute. He just knew it was 2,000 or greater. The airplane's ground speed then stabilized for the next eight seconds while the airplane descended at an average rate of then 9,000 feet per minute. At 1248, the airplane's ground speed began increasing rapidly to 471 miles per hour. Now we understand why we had an in-flight breakup. The last recorded GPS target was at 1248 at an altitude of 4,123 feet with an average descent rate of 6,000 feet per minute. The probable cause from the NTSB, the pilot's inadvertent encounter with a thunderstorm, which resulted in a loss of aircraft control and a subsequent in-flight breakup. And I hate talking about accidents. Yet I share this story to, to realize, and if you saw the video yesterday, you saw the radar as well, if not, I encourage you to go find it on YouTube, on Facebook, on m0a.com, you saw this. There were no convective segments issued, not for his area, not for the area of the flight during this. There were no center weather advisories. In fact, if you look at the actual video, he flew through even worse weather to get to where he was, where the in-flight breakup actually occurred. However, we have three stages to a thunderstorm, the cumulus, the mature, and the dissipating. The cumulus stage is known as the building stage. This is the updrafts, the downdrafts. This is when we build those towering cumulus, towering cumulonimbus clouds. And I believe that it was in this stage, in this building stage, that this accident occurred. Because just to look on radar doesn't show a whole lot of precipitation even falling in that area. And from the sounds of it, 9,000 feet per minute, 6,000 feet per minute, these, these downbursts he was experiencing, up to 471 miles per hour was the ground speed reached. And you wonder why we had an in-flight breakup. We were experiencing extreme updrafts and downdrafts from storms that were just in the cumulus stage. Remember the three stages, cumulus, mature, and dissipating. Cumulus is characterized by updrafts. Mature is the start of rainfall. And dissipating is when the storm begins to rain itself out. So often you say, man, the mature phase, that must be the most dangerous part of a thunderstorm. But in actuality, it's that building phase. It's as that, that storm has all that energy and that energy is just growing and growing. The mature stage is just simply when those updrafts and downdrafts had, had ceased enough or the rain just became too heavy 
for the storm's energy to hold it up in the cloud. So thus rain begins to fall and dissipates even more so. And that strength just isn't there. That storm rains itself out. That's why when you hear a storm rain itself out, the rainfall increases tenfold. The drop size doubles in size. That's the dissipating stage. The cumulus stage, the building stage is the dangerous stage. We're coming up to summertime. And in summertime, we get these things we call summer storms, afternoon thunderstorms, we'll call them often. And it's these afternoon storms, we say, you know what, in Florida, we just stopped flying around three o'clock. And that's accurate, we stopped flying around three o'clock because it starts raining. Yet my IFR students, we would stop much earlier because even around 12 o'clock, as we get the uneven heating and the dissipation of heat of the Earth's surface, as it starts to come up and build these cumulus clouds, and they look so nice, they're these white puffy clouds, everything looks good. There's not even a hint of gray to them just yet. Yet they're bumpy, they're nasty, and they're the ones that go on to become our nasty afternoon thunderstorms. And, and there's there can be tornadoes associated with them, and all these nasty things. These are non-frontal thunderstorms, yet they can be some of the nastiest ones around. The aim suggests, and I say suggests, because the FARs, our, our regulations. Those are the things we get in trouble for busting. The aim is just polite suggestions, um, fortunately or unfortunately. If everyone followed the aim, we'd be uh, much safer pilots. I have no doubt about it. But the aim suggests 20 miles away from a thunderstorm. The aim also suggests to never fly under the overhang, the anvil, of a thunderstorm. The anvil can be where some of the nastiest weather is. You go, oh, it's the anvil. It's that ni the nice side of a thunderstorm. But actually, if you look at the flow of a thunderstorm, that is where all the hail is being thrown, is underneath the anvil. If there is hail associated with this storm, it is thrown up through the top of the storm because of these updrafts. It is thrown out the backside of the storm through the anvil and falls through the anvil and lands right on your airplane and shatters a windshield. Uh, dimples up an airplane, whatever it may be. We want nothing to do with thunderstorms. I want you to begin to watch weather radar, composite and lowest tilt. Read the TAFs, read the METARs, see where the layers are starting to build. Realize that these summer storms, these afternoon storms are legitimate. Unless you're based out in Arizona or in the desert somewhere. If you're on the East Coast, there's a good chance you know what I'm talking about or in the Midwest with these afternoon thunderstorms. And honestly, Washington State, everybody gets these afternoon storms with the exception of like um, Arizona, it's just too dry. Um, oftentimes they don't have that humidity. What causes those, those afternoon storms is what do we need? We need instability, we need an uplifting action, and we need moisture. We get all of that. The uneven heating of the Earth's surface creates instability, which creates a lift in action, which takes our hot, humid Florida air, Georgia air, New York air, wherever it is, right? In the summertime, it's hot and humid and brings that humidity up. And when you force moisture aloft, you create thunderstorms. In our case, the afternoon thunderstorms that we deal with. We want absolutely nothing to do with thunderstorms. So I encourage you, to exercise, make it your own personal minimum, your own regulation that we don't deal, we don't get within 20 nautical miles of that thunderstorm. I hope you're gonna really enjoy, I know you're gonna really enjoy 
this aviation weather series that we're diving into for the month of April. Hey, thanks to everybody who came by to uh, say hi at Sun and Fun. It truly means the absolute world to us. If not, I hope to see you at Oshkosh. Any of the three AOPA flyings, we will be at San Marcos, Rochester, and Casper, Wyoming as well. We'll be at all three AOPA flyings. Of course, we're out at Oshkosh. Plenty of drone shows too. If, uh, if you follow the drone community as well, we're traveling all over this year and just looking forward to meeting so many of you. How about the Aviation Mastery at Sea, October 26th through the 31st, aviationmastery.com to check that out and learn more. We'd love to see you there. Spend part of our vacation uh, with you all as well. We also will be launching our brand new co-pilot course there as well. So this is a family activity. Take your non-flying uh, co-pilot, whether that be a spouse, a friend, uh, a, a sibling, a, a son or daughter, whatever that may be, um, and we're going to put them in their own co-pilot track. So while you're learning about for flight or aviation weather, whatever it may be, they're in their co-pilot track learning more about how they can exercise crew resource management, CRM, to be a benefit, to be an asset to really lean on in the cockpit. We're going to be developing that. So this is truly a family affair. Would love to have you all there. So listen, thank you so much for being such a blessing to myself, this outstanding team here at M0A.com. Thank you for all the great five-star reviews uh, of this podcast. Don't forget, we also produce the Instrument Pot Podcast, the Commercial Pot Podcast, and the CFI Podcast as well. If you want to keep your learning going, uh, we really appreciate you all. Enjoy the rest of your day, and most importantly, remember that a good pilot is always learning. Have a great day, guys. We'll see you.